Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2302. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Fountain Valley, California, with a very special guest by the name of Richard Parks. Richard, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, I am. All right, we're going to have some fun. Now, before I introduce you properly with a bio, and we talk about your life and what you're doing, what's one little thing, Richard, that maybe people don't know about you? Probably the best thing to say is that my father is Wally Parks. He never made that really well known to the uh, public because he didn't want to get me involved into a lot of controversy when, you know, with when you have somebody who's a, a, a celebrity, as my father was. Well, very cool. And we're going to be talking a little bit about your dad. That's really what brought us together today, of course, Richard. I'll tell you, listeners, I don't often get to speak to my guests very much, if any, before they call in. Many of my guests I've never even spoken to. But I had a really nice, long conversation with Richard last week. We got into a lot of different things. And uh, he's the kind of guy that if you had time to sit down maybe an entire day, uh, he could fill it because this guy has a lot of stories and is doing some really cool things at this point in his life. And could you share with our listeners your age? I'm 79. 79. So you've been around for a little while. You've seen a lot of things. But the great thing about Richard, for you listeners, is he's still very active, and he's doing some really cool things. And he grew up around a dad who started the NHRA, which has to have some great stories attached. So we're going to learn a lot more. So let me give you an introduction here. Richard Parks was born during World War II, and he was raised in Orange County, California. I'm trying to think about Orange County, California. Back in those days, there was not a lot there except for a lot of orange groves. He graduated from the University of Hawaii and married the love of his life. They raised children together, three sons, and Richard worked in the medical industry. And today he's the proud grandfather of seven grandchildren. So he's having some fun. Richard is a prolific writer and has penned over 200 biographies, including the history of his father, Wally Parks, as he mentioned, who was the founder, president, and chairman of the National Hot Rod Association, better known as the NHRA. Wally was instrumental in establishing drag racing as a legitimate amateur and professional motorsport back in the day. And Richard's going to share a little bit about what he's doing and hopefully a little bit about his dad as well. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. So give them a little listen, buckle up. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby 
was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Richard, I'm very, very happy to have you here today because, as I mentioned in your introduction, you like to sit down and talk about people, and you've written so many biographies and you've been flooding my inbox with just I can't believe what you've been sending me the enormity of what you're doing I have to ask when did you start doing this and what drove you to just write well part of it was the fact that I I retired from the University of California Irvine Medical Center part of it was the fact that I learned that with a computer keyboard you make a mistake, you don't have to, you just back uh, space and get rid of errors. Because I was always kind of a little bit timid around a typewriter. You always had to, you made a mistake, you had to wipe things out. Oh, yeah. Well, the computer made things immeasurably easier to do what I do, which is to do biographies and histories on an assembly line format. So I have a quick format that I use. It's noun-generated. I get people to write down nouns, like people, places, and things. And then I ask them to do a sentence or two or more for every noun. And within about two hours, I can have a decent biography on a person. And then I store it in my archives and send it out to whomever would like to read them. And I've never met a person yet that didn't have 
an extremely fascinating life. I enjoy doing stories on the wives because they are witnesses of what their husbands have been doing in motorsports all these years. I like to talk to everybody surrounding motorsports, even models and photographers, writers, editors, PR people, insurance uh, agents, all the people that work in the motorsports industry can give you fascinating stories on what their jobs and what their lives are like. In a way, you do a little bit of what I do, although I talk to people about their lives. You write about them, and when we were talking the other day, I said, well, where's your website so I can go and see all this stuff? And you said, well, I don't really have one. You just have to ask me, and I'll send you things. And I, I was I was kind of joking, but not when you, you started sending me stuff, and I went, oh, my gosh. This guy has so much stuff. And I'll tell you, my guest that I had on the show yesterday, and I want to thank you because I got connected with Cord uh, Kistart, who is a young man who's a racer. And while we were talking, he said, I mentioned you, and he said, oh, let me show you what, what I got from Richard. And he picked up this giant, I it's got to be two feet thick stack of printouts of autobiographies you sent them. And he just said, well, this is just some of the stuff he's got. I mean, what is it that drove you to want to write about all these people? Was it the relationship and the affiliation with your father and his life, which was so interesting? Yes, I think so. I was always curious because my father never really encouraged my brother and I to get into uh, motorsports. In the early days, he always felt that motorsports, especially NHRA, was going to be a temporary job, temporary vocation. Wow. And that sooner or later, as all these men said to me, it's going to fail and we're going to have to find a real job. (laughs) So they were more interested in the fact that this was fascinating work that they loved doing and that they got paid for doing what they did uh, was simply a bonus. But they all thought that this was going to end he didn't want my brother and I to get into a uh, what he considered at the time a dead-end occupation. It turned out to surprise to all of us. And in a way, I'm kind of glad that he didn't get me involved because it, it just that wasn't my personality. Mm-hmm. My personality is recording things that I observe. Uh, my, my major in college was in history. I actually graduated with a degree in Oriental history. So I have this uh, love of of the past, and I like to record it and save that so that other people can see it and understand it, enjoy it as well. And I encourage everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, I can bring out stories out from your background that will fascinate people. Well, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And getting back a little bit to your father as you said, you weren't really into the cars. And if anything, he was kind of pushing you and your brother away. But it's your father's got into this and it started to grow and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. What was that like a little bit for you? I mean, what was the age span? Like, how old were you when he got into it and started doing NHRA? And- well, I started, I started writing in 2000. It just wasn't feasible for me to write on a large scale without the computer. A computer just simply revolutionized my life. In other words, everything I did was longhand, and you really can't communicate with people 
in such a fashion except by letters. It didn't mean that I didn't write letters. I wrote tremendous numbers of letters to people, but you just can't reach an audience by using print. You have to get involved in the computer world. I do a few things very well. I can do a Word document, and you taught me how to uh, attach a picture. Yep. And I, uh, I also send out tremendous amounts of emails and what I, what I call my motorsports newsletter. I've had about seven or eight, maybe, maybe even more than that newsletters. And they're all emails. It's not a blog. It's uh, not a website. It's just an email. But I've managed to make it look interesting. And uh, a lot of people like enjoy it. And they like to hear from it. Because what I am is intermediary. People send me things that I think are interesting. And I send them back out. I also capture, that's a nice word for saying I steal <laughs> email addresses that have not been blind carbon copied, even though I tell everybody blind carbon copy your mail so that you don't end up with a lot of spam. But I have about uh, 1,200 people on my email now. It's down from about 5,000 a few years ago. It takes me roughly a week to send out messages to uh, 5,000 people. It takes me about three days to send out an email to 1,200 people. Well, see, what you've got to do is is find that IT guy, and don't call me. I'm happy to help you with pictures, but I'm too busy doing what I'm doing. But somebody to help you uh, streamline this, because there's so many tools nowadays that you should be able to send out all those emails with one push of one button. We won't get into that today, because that's an entirely different concept. I want to get back to a bit about this writing and what you're doing, because it's such a massive amount. And I would hope that at some point there's a way for you to archive this in a way to make it easier for people to access. Access Is that something that you have interest in doing? Because, I mean, you've written about so many people's lives and it'd be a shame for this to just fade off into the distance when it's all sitting there in a computer, which these days is pretty easy to access. Well, I've, uh, I've tried to, I did a YouTube channel I mm-hmm. did four episodes. Actually, my grandson did it for me. I just sat there and he scanned me with his phone. And I turned out to be the most boring person you ever saw. <laughs> so I approached my granddaughters. Well, they're all beautiful granddaughters. And I said, does anybody want to be the narrator? And I'll be the producer. Ah. And we'll do these shows. And because who doesn't like to see a pretty blonde uh, reading off with a nice, cheerful voice? The material that you created, because I can't do it. I just don't have the persona that you need to be on something like YouTube or the other formats. And as far as it goes, I've contacted the high schools and some colleges and other groups saying, here's a uh, format that you could use or a lot of material. There's even what's called vanity publishing. And I went down, took a course on how to excuse me, not vanity publishing, uh, public access TV. Oh, uh uh-huh. And so I learned how to do that where they hold the camera and and pan and do all that and not shake the camera and do all that. But it's a format that if you know how to promote it, is tremendously getting your message out. But the problem is most people just don't want to bother 
with doing that. A lot of people would like, a lot of young children, young kids, young kids in uh, high school and college would love to have somebody start a program like that so they could get experience in production and uh, directing and, and filming. But unfortunately, there isn't a lot of people, especially in the schools, that will take the time to create something like that because it's, it's all volunteerism. If I have any claim to fame, it's that I'm a volunteer. Uh, whenever I don't really like to do things for pay, it puts me under obligations to the person that's paying me to do a job. I'd rather just do something I love doing, and I don't need to be paid for what I'm doing. And so whenever there's a, a function, such as the time that I created the boat racers reunion in uh, Southern California, and uh, I had the list up to about 3,000 boat racers, and we had about six uh, reunions under my supervision, and then they changed directors as who they wanted to run it. But then I did uh, newsletters for land speed racing. I did newsletters for oval track racing, for drag racing, for a number of different uh, things. I helped Tyler Sweet with her car racers reunion and create a, a newsletter off of that. And uh, But they're all fun things that I like to do. It's kind of like a reunion, but you're not meeting people. When you do a newsletter, you don't see the people, but you're still in contact with them. And I think that one of the problems with motorsports is that we tend to be so distant. We see people at a race or a union or an event, and that's about it. And we don't see them again for six months or a year. Well, I like to do these little uh, newsletters to keep people involved. And maybe I don't see them, but they're there, and I know they're there, and they know I'm here. And so this is an, a function that I I enjoy doing. Well, that's tremendous. I think it's really, really cool. You, we talk about here on Cars, yeah, inspirations. And I know your father was a great inspiration to you and, and what he created and what he did. But there's also, I know some uh, other people, men and women in the motorsports area that were very inspirational to you. Can you can you mention a few of those? Oh, you're going to get me into trouble. <laughs> Not because I can't mention them all. <laughs> Let me rephrase this. I can't remember them all. Well, okay. Well, I was going to say, we don't want to leave anybody out, but this is just, just some of the names that you've encountered that you've maybe written autobiographies for that were inspirational. Not all of them. So anybody out there listening that got left out, don't get your feelings hurt. Well, number one, I don't make it known who who my father is. I just am a nosy person that pokes my nose into people's lives and say, how can I help? And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of very once famous people who have been neglected and ignored because they're no longer in the headlines. One such person was Roger Ward, the, the man who won the Indy 500 twice, 59 and 62, I believe. Another one was Cornelli Jones, he won in uh, 62, and Ward won in 59 and 63. Well, these are men that I enjoy just trying to do things for. There was Walt James in the CRA. There was Ack Miller in the SCTA. There's Linda Vaughn, the spokesmodel that every motorsports fan loves. There's just a, lo- a number of people, and many of them are just forgotten. And so the 
the thing that I do is I, I ask around, well, what can I do? And they say, well, Roger hasn't, isn't able to drive anymore. Roger Ward has since passed away. Would you give him a ride, they say, to an event, a race, a reunion, and just make sure he's okay? And I do that. And I have more fun being around Roger Ward. A lot of people say, well, how can you meet these famous uh, racers or politicians or manufacturers? You just have to be available and fill a need. And you get to meet these people. And then they see me as just a fan who is always there to help. And I'm part of their uh, of their uh, grouping. Maybe you call me a groupie. <laughs> uh, I know that every time I talk to Ed Eskandarian, the cam father, we call him Iski, he always says, how are you doing, David? And I said, well, David's my dead brother. I didn't give him permission to pass away, but he did. And uh, I'm Richard. He says, oh, yeah, that's right. You're Richard, the writer. So he knows who I am. And I've done things, you know, and uh, invited him to the reunions we have and the other things. Uh, these are special people. Danny Oaks, the midget racer, 1946. Danny won uh, something like $250,000 in prize money which is the equivalent of 20 homes in California today. Wow. So he was extremely successful. And later on, he won a ring as the chief mechanic at the Indy 500. And so these are all people that can't get out anymore or may have disabilities. And people have forgotten them because they're no longer to show up at, a, at an event. So I always say, don't let yourself feel that you're not important get up go out say hello the worst thing they can do is say i'm busy can you go away and leave me alone okay uh, that's happened to be a lot of times i've even been thrown out of an nhra race um, so i don't let it bother me nor do i let um, the way that some uh racers uh, their their feelings and their personalities affect me. I don't. It just goes right over the top, water off a duck's back, because I know they're under pressure, and I know what they're going through. Later on, they find out that I'm Wally Parks' son and have this vast archive that he left and have written all these stories, and uh, then they say, well, you're, you're famous. No, we're not famous. We are hot rodders, and no hot rodder ever takes praise, or glory for what they do. They are just simply human beings that have a talent in one direction or another. And if you ever give, if you ever try to uh, boast that you are better than the other one of the other hot rodders, they'll quickly cut you down to size and let you know you are not better. My father never really tried to look for awards and glories. He just had a job to do, and that job was to save hot rodding and motorsports from factors that would destroy it. And he spent his whole life doing that. When they gave him a ward, he would usually turn to somebody and say, this is the, what you get when you live to be 90 years old. Hmm. You get awards. Yeah, very nice. That's all. So none of us are famous. We're just people. Nice. And we do what we love doing. 
For sure. You know, challenges, you've written some, and you sent these to me, and I want you to kind of maybe list them off here because we could talk forever about one category of my questions with you because of what you've done. But I ask about challenges, and you've written some pretty humorous stories with some very unique titles that somewhat talk about people's challenges. Could could you do me a favor and just name off a few of these? Well, I, I've written stories about myself. Okay. Uh, one of them is, the world's worst cowboy because I was up on a cattle ranch for a month and I was absolutely the world's worst cowboy, but I just loved it. And I love cowboys. I, I think these ranchers deserve everything in life that they can get. Uh, they're just wonderful, decent people. And then I wrote another story about myself, the world's worst soldier. I really admire soldiers and the army and the, and the military they go out of their way to defend this country and do such a wonderful job. And they're really kind people. I just happen to be the world's worst soldier and that I could never do anything as competently as everybody else. And so after three months, the, the Army said, uh, would you leave? Oh, goodness. And I said, well, so I, I left. And I think I also wrote something about myself, the world's worst baseball player. Mm. I only played one season as a 12-year-old, I think. And first time I was at bat, I couldn't see the ball because I'm, I'm nearsighted. But the first time I hit a line drive to uh, a third baseman, I thought, boy, I can really do this job. And the next 19 times up at bat, I struck out because I couldn't see the ball. It doesn't mean that I didn't try. And that's one thing that people miss in life. They tend to think I'm a failure. Well, nobody's a failure until at least 50 years has gone by. It takes time for what you do to be uh, valuable and appreciated. So you may make a lot of mistakes. I know I do. I mean, I tried a lot of things and failed at it, but I just kept trying until I find out what I can do. And what I can do well is volunteer. So I volunteer for everything. And it comes out of my pocket, too. I, when I ran the boat races reunion, it cost me $1,000 above and beyond what I took in for tickets that I sold to the uh, boat racers to go to the boat race reunion. But I don't do it for the money. I do it for the love of it. And I just love those boat racers. They say that uh, boat racing is, is an occupation where there's an unlimited deep hole that you can throw an unlimited amount of money into and never fill it up. Mm-hmm. They also say that there are two kinds of boat racers. Those that are idiots that try it in the first place and those that see how dangerous it is and decide not to do it. But they are brave. They are conscientious. They are loyal. They are hardworking. They are dedicated uh, to water sports. And I, I admire every one of them. They're so creative. For sure. Same with drag racers and oval track racers and sports car racers. I'm doing a story now on Oscar Kovaleski, who was called the clown prince of sports car racing. And he's a fascinating man. But then again, every single driver, every single mechanic, every single fan, every single participant in the sport is just has an outstanding background, and I just admire them all. 
I really have never found anybody that I truly despise in motorsports. There are some people very hard to, to like, but I've never found anybody I just despise. They're just such great people, really. And sometimes under pressure, they do things that they wish they didn't. But they're great people. They're all good people. Ah, well said. You know, when you get to certain points in our in our lives, and I'm a more mature fellow like you, we might we might still have some things we want to do. And you had mentioned to me earlier that there's maybe a fun little race you might like to participate in someday if it hasn't been outlawed by now. Could you share that idea? Well, the Silver State in Nevada has changed its courses, and I don't even know if the state of Nevada will allow it anymore. But they'll pick a route through rural Nevada, then you you race this uh, distance. It could be 100 miles, it could be 150 miles, 200 miles. And I'll tell you, the turns, the the dips, the uh, rises in the road, uh, it's, it's... it's for lunatics. <laughs> and so I, and I love lunatics. Okay. And so I always wanted to do that. My brother always wanted to do that. But without my permission, he, he passed on to the other side. And I've never forgiven him for that because I always wanted to do the Silver State once in my life. I'd be the navigator. and My brother would be the driver. And he never let anybody pass him on the road. And unfortunately, that caused quite a bit of of uh, angst, <laughs> disagree, disagreements between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like an amazing event. I've read some crazy things about it. Now, I'm a bit of a car psychologist. I, uh, I've i earned a degree in that. Made up, but don't tell anybody. If you were a vehicle, if you were manifest, reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Well, I want my 1957 Chevy Malibu with the big hole in the side of it where somebody crammed into me, and uh, just barely primered and rusting away. I love that car. It was the biggest mistake of my life to sell it uh, at the time, and I wish I had it back. My brother made it. He took parts from here and there and everywhere, and he built that car for me so I could get to and from work. It never gave me trouble, and it had uh, a small block Chevy in it. And it just was a fantastic car. I wish I had it back. And I don't really want to have it painted. I really don't want to put chrome on it. I just want it the way it's always been, a dependable driver. And that's what I am. I'm not fancy. I'm not well-dressed. In fact, I really don't like suits anymore. I prefer just jeans and whatever shirt I can throw on my back because that's just the way hot lovers are. They're not really fancy. They're there's the old saying in drag racing, all show and no go. Oh, they also use the word trailer queen. And another word they use is all all flash and no cash. <laughs> well, hot rodders are all cash. They don't have much flash and they don't care about it. And they're all go and no show. And they really don't want to just brag about what they do. They just want to be the best at what they're doing. And so uh, there are trailer queens and I don't despise them. They... They, they put hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars into their customized cars and trailer them. But a real hot rodder drives his car. And for me, that old 57 Chevy Malibu is what I want back in my life. Hmm. 
Nice. Nicely with the done. hole in the side. Yeah, with the hole. With the hole in the side. Of the yeah, of course. You know, we'd like to talk about books here, and you're such a prolific writer. I assume you also enjoy reading. Is there a book or two that you could share with our listeners you think they should crack open and read? There's hundreds of them. I, I do reviews on movies, books, magazines, newspapers for the hot rodder. And I want to know the uh, parts and pieces of a, of a, a book or a magazine. I want to know how it's made, how it's created, whether it's quality, whether the writing and the photography is quality. And so I look for two, I look for a book and I, I may name them a regular, there's a copy table book. There's a regular book for your archives or your, your, uh, uh, your bookcase, mm-hmm. or there's a seminal book. A seminal means it stands alone as the cornerstone of your of your uh, library. And I believe everybody should have a library, not just rely on the computer. These old books are part of our history. And if the world ever ends electronically and we can't provide electricity as we are doing now, we'll have to go back to those old books. There's a, there's one that's called Roy Richter Striving for Excellence by Art Bagnell. Art was a good friend of my dad. He was my friend too. He's a friend of everybody. And he wrote the story on Roy Richter. Well, Roy Richter bought uh, George White's uh, Bell Auto Parts where all the hot waters in Southern California hung out. And that's where actually the SCTA started on a... Uh, blackboard or cork board where they all put up notices about where they were going to race at the dry lakes back in the 30s. Roy Richter went on to be the SEMA president, went on to do a number of things. And so the book that by Art Bagnell is a seminal book because if you want to know how the early manufacturers started, how SEMA started, how, uh, how the sport grew from just garages and backyards into a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, then Art Evans, excuse me, not Art Evans, he did sports cars, but uh, Bagnell's book did Art Bagnell on Roy Richter, and that's a famous, fantastic story. Now, there are other books, too, that you really can. I like Robert Post's book on drag racing. Robert Post is a doctor, a doctor of uh, history. He has his degree, and he works for the Smithsonian. And uh, he did a work on uh, on drag racing called uh, High Performance. High Performance is the book. The only thing I wish that Robert Post had done was extend his 400 pages into 4,000 pages because you cannot take on a history of drag racing in 400 pages. It becomes just simply a scan, a a course where you look at just the basics. It doesn't tell you anything about the characters, personalities, the men, the women, what they went through, what they did. And I faced that same thing. Everybody wanted me to write 300 page with photographs on my father. Well, he left me seven filing cabinets, and I had a ton of stuff on him before that. And so I have all these documents and all these photos, and I'm saying, well, what do I leave out? So 
so I decided not to leave anything out. So for every document in the filing cabinet, I notated it. In some cases, the information was so interesting and so pertinent to drag racing that I just simply copied word for word everything in that document, and then I gave an explanation. Because when you have an original document and you just tell people word for word what it says, they still have to comprehend it. So you have to explain, you have to put it in terms of the modern era, what they were doing in that past era. And so it expanded to 36 volumes, plus I have four other volumes on biographies. And I would say all of that work may be 1% or one-tenth of 1% of everything in drag racing. Well, Post's book, Robert Post, he did an excellent job. He took some criticism here or there. He also took a lot of praise. The fact of it is, no writer is going to escape praise or criticism. But Post tried to do in 400 pages what I tried to do in 400,000 pages. And I failed, which means that his book fails in a way. But it didn't really, because it's the best thing that a person could do who wants just a quick general idea of what drag racing was like. Wow. So I recommend, I recommend Dr. Robert Post, High Performance. I also recommend Art Bagnell's Roy Richter's Striving for Excellence. But there are hundreds of other seminal books that I feel a hot rodder and racer ought to have in their library. And then there's a couple of thousand books out there that they should have just to fill everything out. Whether they're that uh, intense, I doubt. But anyway, that's my opinion. Nice. Yeah, I like to enable my guests to go on what I call the ultimate drive, which would be a, a drive with somebody in a, perhaps a cool car, uh, perhaps doing some fun stuff. Uh, what would the ultimate drive look like for you if I could fund you with the ultimate drive? Oh, man, you got me in another trap. Because <laughs> there's hundreds and hundreds of people. I would like to go with Bert Monroe, the the uh, Kiwi from New Zealand who came over here to race his, the, his yeah. Indian bike World's at Bonneville. Yeah. I would like to go with Ack Miller on his many trips. I have gone with with uh, Jack Mendenhall, the blue-eyed uh, lady killer. Hmm. Uh, I mean that in the nicest way. He had such a nice personality. And he took me all over the West. And we found uh, showing me things that most people will never see. I would love to go with Leroy uh, Tex uh, Smith looking for old iron. Uh, Leroy, well, we called him Tex. He uh, he seemed to have a nose for rusting old pieces of iron, uh, magnificent treasures. He seemed to know where there are. I'd love to go with him all over the West. I'd love to go fishing with him up there in uh, Idaho, eastern Idaho. But he's gone from us, and so is Jack Mendenhall. Ack Miller's gone. I'd love to. I've gone with my father many times, and uh, he always took me out to dry lakes. I always thought he loved the desert. What he was doing is he's looking for dry lakes to race on. And there's there's just a fascinating number of people. I wish I I was with Bud Meyer at, at Indy. I wished that uh, I was with. Uh, uh, some of these racers down in Australia, 
We're going out to Lake Gardner, Teresa, on that humongously large salt uh, lake. Uh, there's just so many things that I would like to do. I like to be with Mike Crook when he takes a tour up to Bolivia to race up there on their salt flats up about 6,000 feet high. There's just a number of people that I would love to be with. And I have already been with so many people. So I can't say that I haven't gone. I have. But you can spend an eternity with a bucket list that I have and just not get through all the things you want to do. And that basically is the definition for a hot rodder. Somebody that always leaves us for the next world to come without doing all the things in their bucket list. Because these guys always have a project. They're always busy. No matter how old they are, they're always working on a project. They've got five or six projects. And when they leave us, poor wives have to decide what to do with all these parts, cars, and projects that they started and haven't finished. But there's a lot of people out there. And uh, I can't begin to tell you how many, many stories there are and how many things that I haven't written that I have to write upon and how many times I wished I were back in those times to follow up on all those stories and be part of it all. Probably the richest man alive when it comes to friends and uh, experiences. You've taken us on a wonderful journey today. I have a feeling you and I could talk for days, no doubt, with all of these stories and people that you've written about. I'd love for you to leave us today with maybe a a parting thought of wisdom or advice from a guy who's been around and done a lot of things. Well, the advice I've already given to you, and that's that all young people, they should never consider themselves to be failures because you can never, ever consider yourself to be a loser, a failure, a has-been until you've let a lot of years go by because the things you do that you don't think are important they do affect people. The, the kindnesses that you do to people today may not show up for a generation or two, but you are important. They're all important. And if they want to get, don't stop. You, no matter how old you are, you're still a kid when you're a hot rodder. Always try new things, do new things, enjoy new things. There are so many people that need a ride, need help, that were once famous. Just go out there and look for it. Just say, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm willing. I can help. Who's out there? And you'd be surprised what you're going to run into. They keep me really busy with stories, and I, I just love it. I just love all these people who spend their time to tell me about their lives. And they And young people can do that today. There's no use to sit back and uh, be timid about life, get out there, find somebody to help, see where it leads you. And I'll tell you, it will lead you into a life of fascination, of wonder, of awe. That's my advice to young people and to old people, too. Don't sit back, get out and do it. How can people get in touch with you and access the incredible volume of work that you've written? Uh, the best thing, the best thing to do is just to email me. It's R as in Robert, N as in Nancy, Parks, P A R K S, one at 
Juno, J-U-N-O, dot com. Just have them, just have them email me and say, well, they'd like to see some of the stories or they would like some uh, advice or they would like some uh, information on something. I'm very approachable. All right. I'll put a link to Richard Park's email on his show notes page here at the Car Show website so you can access him. And I'll tell you, uh, he will follow up and he will send you a tremendous volume of wonderful things to read. Uh, so reach out to Richard today and see what you can learn. I want to do a quick shout out. Thank you to a mutual friend who introduced me to Richard, Doug Stokes. Doug, thank you very much. He's brought some very, very inspiring automotive enthusiasts to the Car Show podcast so doug thank you once again richard thank you for spending some time with me today being so sharing with your expertise and amazing experiences of what you had growing up with a a dad like wally parks but more so what you're doing for people these days which is absolutely tremendous until you and i talk again my friend i'll see you down the road will you mind if i say one last thing of course not go ahead when can i be on and tell you all about my dad (laughs) Well, we'll have to do another show sometime to do that. How's that sound? All right. Okay, we'll do that. You choose about a dozen times. Okay. And we'll, we'll do those. All right, we'll do that, my friend. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!